0: Good morning, everyone. Those of you who are looking for Jeff, I'm sorry he's not here. And those of you who are tired of him and need a change, good luck. (laughs) Oh, Lord. I've said many prayers in life, and I've heard many prayers in life. But in my ministry, one of the prayers that I would always remember is the prayer of Bo. Last week I was preaching in youth meeting and I asked Bo to pray for me. This is what he prayed. He does, Lord. And me and Krista laughed so loud. I've asked God, Lord, lead me. I've asked God, Lord, guide me. I asked God to comfort me. I've never asked God to hit me. And Bo said, He does, Lord. And I think that is the most profound prayers. Sometimes we need a hearing from the Lord. Ask yourself this morning this question: If God has done the redeeming work on the cross, why are we still on earth? Why can't he just take us to heaven the moment you accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, as my personal Lord and Savior, why didn't we just transition to heaven? What is the purpose of your life and what is the purpose of my life here on earth? What was the intended purpose? This morning I want us to consider and meditate on the word and the call of witnessing. Witnessing is not just a New Testament theology. topic it's an Old Testament topic and a theology Genesis chapter 12 Yahweh God calls Abraham separates Abraham just so that he can make a nation out of it and that nation will be an example for all the other nations around that to proclaim who is the real God the nation was formed They were in slavery because of disobedience in Egypt and God brought them because God heard their cry. Guess what? Soon they forgot Yahweh God and they made a calf and worshiped an idol. Out of all the people, again, God picked one. Exodus chapter 19, you see God picking up Moses, taking him on the Mount of Sinai, revealing himself to him. Exodus chapter 19 says, you shall be my treasured possessions among all people. You shall, be me, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. You have called us chosen a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Peter picks the same text from Exodus chapter 19. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 10 through 12. Please underline these words for me. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant, Jesus Christ, whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you Are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Bible did not say you may be my witnesses, you can be my witnesses, I will train you to be my witnesses. It says you are my witnesses. It's a definitive statement. You are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the earth. You don't become light when you have the Spirit of God, when you have Christ in your life, you are the salt, you are the light, you are the witness. You don't become a witness, you are the witness the moment when you accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Keeping this in mind, let's stay focused in the book of Acts. Acts chapter one, verses eight. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has gifted each one of us with a gift. Some of you are gifted in singing. Some of you are gifted in hospitality. Some of you are gifted in playing instruments. Some of you are gifted in preaching. Every one of us have a gift and a call from our God. But what every one of us have in common is the common calling that every believer is supposed to be a witness. No matter what your profession is, you and I are called to be a witness for the Lord. Oh, but Pastor, you're on the stage, you can witness. I'm here in the soundboard, I'm a sound engineer. You're not exempt from witnessing but I'm a soccer player, I'm I'm a coach outside the church premises, you don't have an option, you should be a witness. Wherever God has called you, each one of us have a calling to be a witness for the Lord. This morning I want us to consider three things and I'll be done within no time. Please give your undivided attention. First and foremost, I want us to consider the meaning of witness. What is the meaning of witness? In Hebrew, it's Ed, E-I-D. And in Greek, it's Amartus, which means when you see something amazing, when you see something shocking, when you see something awesome, awe struck with wonder, that person is called Ed or Amartus because he has seen something amazing and awesome. I want to just make a side note. The car that you have is not awesome. The haircut that you have is not awesome. The house that you have is not awesome. You know what? It's an attribute of God. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, don't call everything awesome. You should be awestruck with wonder. The world will stop and your mouth will be wide opened. That's what it means, awesome. Only can happen when Jesus reveals himself to you. Those are the things that are awesome in nature. When you and I see something amazing, apart from Jesus, nothing is amazing in life. And when God reveals, there is a purpose that he reveals himself. Moses was on the Mount of Sinai and God reveals himself so that he may bear witness. In Hebrew it's ud, and in Greek it's marturo and that's where we get the word martyr. Witness in Greek is martyr. How is are witnessing? Moses went up to the Mount of Sinai saw God and came down and shared what he saw. That's what witnessing is. Isaiah saw the vision in chapter 6. The Lord seated on the throne. Comes down and in verses 43 and 41, he shares. He has become the witness for the same God. What have you witnessed? What was the revelation that God has given you? God has saved you from the eternal damnation, from hell itself. You did not choose him, he chose you. How grateful we should be. When we buy a new car, the whole neighborhood should know. We go run and say, hey, did you see my new car? When was the last time we got excited for salvation like that? The meaning of witness is you see, And you share to know and to make known whom you have known that's the purpose that's the meaning of witness second I want us to consider the means and the manner of witnessing what is the means how do we witness this Christ before we look into the means of witness I want you to consider what is not witness who is not witness some of us fall into this trap. I want you to carefully, because I cannot put these right words, it's Donald Miller who wrote a nice exegetical thesis on witnessing, and I'm just reading his. I once heard Professor Edward Squiser of Zurich illustrate in a lecture and difference between the objective and the subjective quality of human experience. He said, I ask you what happened at the theater last Friday if you should reply oh it was wonderful i was deeply moved chills went up and down my spine my eyes were filled with tears i have never experienced such an exalted mood before in my entire life and the professor says i should have to reply but you haven't answered my question i did not ask what happened to you but what happened at the theater was the question. If what happened there could produce such a marked response, testimony to the response might indeed encourage the hearer to go the play to find out for himself. But it would be the play itself and not someone else's experience of the play, which would be crucial. Aware of this when William Carey, how many of you know William Carey? William Carey was a missionary to India. He's called the father of modern missions. William Carey was visiting on his deathbed, uh, visited by Duff, Alexander Duff, younger colleague, and Duff recounted the many contributions Carey had made to India through his life. Carey replied, Mr. Duff, when I am gone, say nothing about Dr. Carey, speak about Dr. Carey's savior. We are not the center of someone else's salvation what happened at the theater, not what happened to you. He continues to say, there are two reasons for it, he backs it up. First, if one rests one faith on experience, rather than the source of his experience, it is difficult to know whose experience should be normative. On a visit to a Mormon tabernacle a few years ago, I picked up a track written by a female deep sea driver, accompanied by a very enticing photograph. It was her testimony. She had been taking instructions in the Mormon faith for some months when suddenly in a deep dive, many feet below the surface of the water, the truth of the Mormon persuasion was clearly revealed to her and she experienced the meaning of life. Through that revelation in a way that solved all her problems and made her a radiant and triumphant believer. If one rests one's case on experience, why is not her experience a valid one? And most certainly, the Christian science appeal rests quite solidly on Mrs. Eddy's testimony to her healing and on that subsequent followers. If the retelling of religious experiences is the best method propagating religious faith, then it would seem that those approached would be in the position of consumers influenced by the advertising who are left to pick and choose that which is most appealing. I love reading in coffee shops. I sit and read, and I hear time and time again, I'm sorry, woman, not many men did this, but many women I heard in coffee shops. The story is all about them. How tough their life was, how God was so mean time and time again in their lives. How much burden they have, it's all about them. And once in a while, they spill Jesus there. what happened at the cross is more important, and that's what saves people. Not your testimony, might. Our testimony can be a way to the cross, but it will not save anybody. I've heard many testimonies in life. People bringing back from death. Man who lost millions of dollars, came to $20, worked in McDonald's. He had a house called 108. He sold it. He came to nothing. And then God blessed him through his work. After many years, he bought a mansion and the address of the mansion is 108. The testimony is so moving for me, but it will never save a person. It's the cross and cross alone, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone that saves us. Our testimonies can be a window or a doorway to the real savior. What is not, now I want you to consider who are the means for these witnesses? We just read from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The only way that you can witness for Christ is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You begin witnessing, you continue witnessing, and you will end your life witnessing only and only and only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without Holy Spirit, you cannot witness. And the second means of witnessing is the word of God. Acts chapter 2. When the spirit of God came upon their lives, they started to speak in tongues. All of a sudden, Timboid started to speak my language, Telugu. That's what happened at the day of Pentecost. There is confusion. How can this guy speak my language? And there is this confusion and chaos. In the midst of confusion and chaos, there will always be a group of people. When Jesus was dying, there was the same people who were mocking, spitting on him, beating. Tell me who, who, who is that who is beating you. And the same mockers are mocking the day of Pentecost. Peter opened the scripture for them. He took a 500 year old, couple hundred years old text from Joel, the prophecy of Joel. He says, but Peter standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Instead of considering what he said, let us consider what he could have said. Right? When the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Peter could have said this, you know guys, is there anybody on earth that you can show me who walked on the water? I walked on the water with Jesus. When I did not catch fish all the night long, this Jesus came to me said, throw your net on the other side. And I caught so much fish that my net started to break. You know what? My mother-in-law was dying. Jesus healed. He had so many stories to share. He did not. He picked the word of God from Joel and a psalm from David. He knew his story will not save people. It may give you goosebumps, give you chills. It will never save you. Peter knew. He picked the word of God from Old Testament. The word of God is the means of salvation, and the spirit of God is the means of salvation. Nothing else. And the manner of witnessing, I want you to consider. The means of witnessing is through the spirit of God and through the word of God. And the manner of witnessing is this. In the midst of Confusion and chaos. I also want you to consider where Peter stands. He's in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was crucified just a few days ago. And the text says, but Peter standing up with the 11. It's not just Peter who stood. With Peter, 11 other apostles stood with him. You know what's the piteous thing and the tragedy of Christians today in the church today? we preach the truth we sing the truth we don't stand for truth our unity is so waste Oh brother we are all united Methodist Baptist Presbyterian independent churches we are all united we are one for what to eat a meal 2004, same sex marriage was legalized in Massachusetts. Where was the church? Followed by California and Connecticut. 2008, where was the church? 2015, all 50 states of America legalized same sex marriage. Where was the church? The church that was supposed to be marching on the streets for what they believe, they prayed inside the four walls, they preached inside the four walls, we sang inside the four walls, we never stepped out of our comfort zone. For what they believe lustfully and selfishly, they marched for their rights. It was 2% of the congregation who went out and got what they want. And here we are, self-proclaiming Christians, did not witness did not stand for the truth. I heard about a trial in one of the countries, the bomb blast, there were four men who were caught. Regarding that, three men were sentenced to seven years. One person was sentenced to 14 years. What happened? These three men assembled the bomb, put the bomb, blasted the bomb, seven years. The fourth one got 14 years. Why? He knew and he did not say because he was silent. If we have to stand before the Jesus, if we have to stand before God, we will be judged because we were silent. We did not stand for the truth that we believed in. We give complaints over Facebook, social media, oh, gender equality, my daughters are at stake in school, my sons are at, what happened? We didn't march, we didn't fight for what we believe, we didn't stand up. Famous hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army shall be led. Till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. You see the words that he used, the hymn writer? Soldiers and army. We are not spectators, my friends. We are soldiers. We need to do something. We need to go out. Oh, pastor, I think you didn't read Revelation. This this will all end bad. I know. As the church moves forward, thousand people, the world will bring ten thousand. I know when the church moves ten thousand, the world will bring million. Probably they would get their rights, but the question is, did you fight? We may lose on earth, but what happens while you fight is the renewing of your spirit. When you march on the streets, without a cause, you may not win the bill, but what happens is the renewal of your spirit. God works in you when you stand for his truth. He says, I'm proud of you, my son. I'm proud of you, my daughter. You could have saw a smile on Jesus' face. We are grieving the spirit of God. We did not stand for the truth. Second, witnessing is what Peter spoke. He not only stood courageously, he spoke courageously. Let me read. Some of the verses he said. Verse 23. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you, Peter said, who? You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. You need boldness to tell you crucified Christ. And then verse 36 Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 40. And with many other words he testified, he witnessed, and exhorted them, saying, Be saved, be saved from this perverse generation. These are some of the bold words that came out of Peter, the first sermon ever preached after Pentecost. Pastor Sagar, you're always so rude. Can you repeat these three sentences with love? You have crucified, put love behind it. I want to hear how it sounds like. Love is not seen, my friends. Truth is heard. You don't know how much love I have for you guys today. It's the truth that will hurt you. If you look into apostles' life, let's see, Acts chapter 5, just one page after, verses 27 through 32. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. During COVID, a church was threatened to shut down by a governor in California. It's called Grace Community Church. They stood for what they believed. Governor threatened them saying, we will cut the electricity for you. You will not have power to worship. The church said, it's okay, we have a generator, we can put gas in it. We will not step down. We will gather and worship the Lord, taking stand, speaking truth. Verses seven, chapter seven, sorry. Chapter seven, verses 51 and 52. This is Stephen. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so. These are the last words of Stephen the martyr. You have did this. Verses 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not uh, persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom... You now have become the betrayers and murderers. He calls them sinners. You have killed. My friends, no matter how loving you can be to your neighbor, you can do all the prep behind it, but one day, as the time goes by, and you build relationship, trust, and everything, in order for that person to be saved, there's only one. You have to tell them that he was a sinner. And once you tell him you are a sinner, if he convinces that he is a sinner, he will seek for a savior. And then he will come to know Jesus Christ. Finally, courage plus clarity. Luke chapter 24, the last verse says, Jesus opened their eyes. And now Peter and all the apostles could see the scripture in the Old Testament where Jesus was. So we need word and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Clarity and courage. We are so shifted today. Some charismatics who are, what is that, prosperity, healing gospel people. When kids got saved in those churches, they are so passionate. When the pastor gave them thousand pamphlets to distribute in the village, they were passionate to knock every single door. What did the pamphlet say? Apostle Joshua is in town. When he lays a hands, you will be healed. That's the pamphlet. But the kids are so passionate, they didn't have a clarity. They went knocked every single door and gave the pamphlets. Now we Baptist, Presbyterians, Methodists, with a lot of clarity about doctrine, don't have passion. We don't go out. We don't fight. We don't participate. We have doctrine and clarity, no courage. They have courage, but they don't have clarity. I wish we had both. The clarity of the scripture, where Jesus was, Isaiah 43. The servant is Jesus Christ there. It's a prophecy that was fulfilled. Peter mentioned the Psalm of David. There was Jesus in that Psalm. When Jesus opened the eyes of the apostles, they could see the scripture then. And another means, a manner of witnessing is this. Acts chapter five, verses 40 and 42. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer Shame for his name. The manner of witnessing is suffering shame with joy. When somebody spits on you, somebody uses cuss words because you shared the gospel, or you held a banner for Christ on the streets of Pensacola, with joy, Paul, Peter, and all the apostles, when they went through pain, through affliction, one thing that Satan could not steal from them is the joy of salvation. What we are missing today as a church suffered shame with joy. Finally, I want us to consider the manifestation of a spirit filled witnessing. What is the result of this witnessing? The manifestation of spirit-filled witnessing. First thing I want you to consider is salvation itself. When you are filled by the spirit and when you witness, the first thing that will happen is salvation. People get saved. With the spirit of God, with the word of God, comes salvation. The manifestation of spirit-filled man leads to someone else's salvation. I'll tell you what we are missing today. Chapter two, verses 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When truth goes out, it will cut your heart. When Peter said, You have crucified Jesus, it pierced through their hearts. Isn't that true? I was watching Jesus crucified. Peter is true. He's telling on my face that it was me and my sin that crucified this Jesus. It cut through their hearts. The problem with our modern church is there are conversions without cutting through the hearts. Because your sons and daughters said, I love Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus, son? Yes, dad, I believe in Jesus. Are you ready for the baptism, son? Yes, I am. You dip him, take him, two years down the line, kids still don't know the scripture, don't know how to pray, don't like the church. There was nothing that happened spiritually cutting through the heart. One of the kids that I know goes to mom and says, Mom, I'm sorry, he's hardly seven, eight years old. You asked me about where was the tie last night, Mom. I said, I don't know. It was his brother's tie, Silas's tie. Clayton says, Mom, I told you a lie, Mom, yesterday. Actually, the tie was with me. At the age of eight, if you have a consciousness of sin, that was the kid needs to be baptized. When we don't have the consciousness of sin, we just be deep people, and they think they are going to heaven one day. They are not going to make it to heaven. It should cut through the heart. The power of the gospel is this, it will cut and pierce through your heart. Truth needs to be told. If you want to see the love, you read the afflictions and suffering that Peter and Paul had to go through. How many times they have took lashes? How many times he went to bed without food? How many times he was shipwrecked? This is love. He traveled every single city to share the gospel. Nobody sees love, my friends. But when Paul says, you have crucified, people get mad. No, he went all the way for you. You will see Paul sitting from morning till evening in synagogues in Rome, just reasoning with them. If it is not love, what is love? People are looking for love words, my friends. I can tell all day long, my wife, I love you. If I don't show, that's the problem. Paul and Peter showed love to the people, to the perishing world by traveling, by spending time, by through persecutions, being in prison many a times. That's love for the people. And the truth is this, the bitter truth, you have crucified Jesus. You are a sinner. This is the bitter truth, but we have to accept it. And the second manifestation of the spirit is this, sharing. Oh, where did you find this pastor? in the same text, Acts chapter two. When they were baptized, they started to do some things. Let's look at them. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of the bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all anyone who are in need. When the spirit of God comes on your life, when you have a gaze at heaven, you will count everything as rubbish on earth you will give away everything for the glory that you are about to receive in heaven nothing is compared to the eternal glory they all sold everything giving for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son the first sign of your love and my love is we give without giving you can say a lot of things about love it doesn't matter God created in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Guess what he did? He named everything. No. He said, Adam, name. Whatever you call them, that will be their name. And he said, Adam, you rule. That's love. He gave you. He gave the authority for us to rule over the creatures. He gave his own son. Being the recipients of such great love, how are you reciprocating that love? Jeff Spoonie posted a week ago on Facebook. Some of us give to the Lord less than the tips that we give in the restaurant. What a shame. Don't ever bring the second best to the Lord. Give the best. If you don't want to give, do not give, my friends. Do not give. God is not lacking anything. The cattle on the thousands hills are his. But when you give, you spend more on your motorbikes, you spend more on your boats, you spend more on your shopping, you spend more on your Disney trips, you spend more on everything else in your life. If you put an annual budget and you're giving to the church, everything will outweigh your giving to the church. Sharing the manifestation of the Spirit-filled Witnessing they sold all their positions, started to give for the needy. How is our giving? If Moses on the top of Sinai saw the glory of the Lord, his head has moved to Urd. That means he gave it. When you saw the Lord, how is your giving? We know how Jesus gave. He gave himself as a living sacrifice. How is your giving and how is my giving? Let us examine ourselves in the light of God's word. Don't tip God. Do not tip God. Come prepared to worship God with your giving. Count your cost for everything and make sure you have that first priority for the kingdom of God. And finally, the manifestation of spiritual witnessing is sacrifice. The first cutting through the heart produced salvation. This is another cutting through the heart. Okay? Starting from Stephen. Acts chapter 7. Verses 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep are in the same words that Jesus on the cross said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even while he was dying, he witnessed in such a way. How is our witnessing today? We're almost done. I want you to consider now a few questions. Remember the names of your neighbors to your right and to your left. How far can you go with the names? Do you know if they are born again? Do you know if they are Christians? We know what kind of a car they drive. We know what kind of a dog they have. We know how many kids they have. But do you know if they are Christians? How is your witnessing? Ray Comfort, a guy from New Zealand, came to California, goes every single day, he's almost seventy two years now, goes to a beach in California, proclaims the gospel to every visitor. And he says this, if you are not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, I am concerned about your salvation. Isn't this true? If you are not concerned about your neighbor's salvation, Ray Comfort says, I am concerned about yours. When the spirit of the Lord came in Acts chapter 1, 8, you are my witnesses. If you are not, there are two reasons. The first one probably is the most accurate one, you are not yet saved. The second thing is possible that you started with fire and zealous for the Lord. You started witnessing, but the chores of life has taken over you. You have a kid, you have a job, you are torn in between, and then slowly the world has dragged you out and you're not witnessing. You are grieving the spirit of God by not witnessing. As we walk with our dogs in our neighborhood, we have so many things to talk with our neighbors. Accept Jesus. Accept Jesus. Few important components of witnessing. Witnessing is personal. It is a personal experience. I cannot borrow experience from Brent Allen witness. Brent Allen as his own witness, I should meet my God personally to witness. I cannot stand on his faith. He cannot stand on my faith. We should have a personal encounter with God. Witnessing is personal. Second, witnessing is with people. There is never a ministry without people. A Christian cannot live without people. But this is what the funny thing is. Christian wants to move from city to suburbs, from suburbs to ranches where there's no people. They want to build a house far from people. They are tired of people. If you are a true Christian, you will actually move into the city where there are more people because they are perishing without the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ. It will not move you out of the city. It will move you into the city because Christ died for people. How long will you mow your four acre lawn? How long will you feed chicken? How long will you grow calves? Share the gospel. Move into the city. Don't move out of the city. We are not yet done in this world work. Share the love of Christ. And then have an attitude of persuasion. You told your neighbor he didn't listen. Keep pursuing. Paul pursued. And Agrippa said one time, Are you persuading me in the short time that you have that you want to make me a Christian? That's what Governor Agrippa said to Paul. Persuading character. Keep on, keep on sharing the gospel. The word became deed. Peter started with Joel prophecy, ends with, the chapter ends with, selling the positions and giving. The word became deed. We are all good at word. When it comes to deed, now, I love this hymn and I'm going to close this. I will witness for Jesus. I will witness for Jesus. I'll stand at his side. The friend and defender of Christ crucified. My heart will be faithful and faithful my hand i will witness forever by jesus i'll stand i will witness for jesus i'll seek his sweet name his power i will tell and his love i will proclaim my voice will be strong and my voice won't be still till christ's kingdom come and his missions fulfilled. Let's all close our eyes. Examine ourselves today. In the light of God's word, am I a witness for the Lord? What is the means of your witness? What is the manner of your witness? How is the manifestation of your faithful, spirit-filled witnessing looking like? When was the last time we invited one person to the church? When was the last time we witnessed for the Lord?